Well, we are in the middle of this series called Relationship Goals. We're talking about having healthier marriages, healthier relationships. And so basically the gist of it is kind of self-explanatory. Every week we're looking at a new goal that we need to adopt for our relationships, that if we would do so, it would make our relationships stronger. So in the first week we talked about how marriages need to be Christ-centered, that if we as individuals can make Christ the center of our lives, he reshapes us, reshapes our hearts, gives us a better way to live, a better way to think, so that then we as believers, as individuals, are a better spouse, that, that we become better servants, better, um, more, more selfless, caring individuals, all the things that make marriages better, and that when we bring Christ into the marriage, it strengthens that bond together. Last week, the goal was to be mission-minded, meaning that spouses, we need something bigger than ourselves to focus on, because I don't know. I think our world is so me-focused. We elevate the glory of of the individual. It's all about what you want to do, what I want to do. And that is such a backwards way of thinking. Because what happens when we have a shared goal as a husband and wife, it draws our hearts away from selfishness and to something that, again, is bigger than ourselves. Something that has weight to it. And, and it draws us, again, together for a common purpose that serves our God. Now, today we're going to do the weirdest goal. And it almost was more weird sounding, okay? So here's today's, today's goal is to be pest fighting. And I originally had varmint hunting, but I thought that might be a little little redneck, but I don't know. I still kind of like it. Um, so for better or for worse, we're, we're talking about pest hunting. And so fighting pests is very important to a healthy marriage. And so let's just talk about one of the most common pests we fight um, in our homes right here, this little guy. And some of you, 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 you winced, didn't you? Some of you, you're pulling your feet up now. You can just feel something on the floor crawling around, okay? And since the, you hate these things, and, and, and with good cause, they're gross little things that dirty up your house. And so when it comes um, to catching pests, we've all tried the standard, right? Everybody's used one of these. Some of you have bruised your knuckles on these guys, and they work just fine. But if you're tired of messing around, um, you know, what if you hate that these little you know, traps sometimes work, sometimes don't, sometimes get your knuckles. Are there ways to get more serious about pest fighting? Well, you bet there are, okay? Um, let me just tell you something. We don't know what we're doing with mouse traps anymore. Back in the day, they had it down, okay? I found a couple, a couple of really cool antique pest fighting apparatuses, okay? Here's this one, okay? You don't need some little teeny wire, okay? This beautiful contraption has two sharp, serrated blades that chop that mouse right in half. Genius. Ain't no mouse getting out of that. That's love it. Okay, no more messing around with that tiny little bar, although you really don't want to catch your finger in this guy. Okay? Um, For the pro-gun crowd, I came across this old patent. I couldn't find an actual picture of one that was made, but I found a picture of the patent. This is real. I found this. It's from the U.S. patent. This is great. Just had a revolver with the trigger rigged up. I mean, that'll get him, I guess. That'll take care of business right there. Okay. And then I also came across somebody who took a more modern turn of of this. Um, That's probably a little bit safer, but I don't know how much. Okay. They used a nail gun. (laughs) A pneumatic nail gun. I mean, 
that mouse, he's not going anywhere if he, get, if he gets caught with this guy, which I appreciate, okay? Um, now you think, that's all a little too bloody. I don't want to pick up pieces of mouse all over my house. I don't want to have to, like, get a hammer to pry the mouse loose. I just want to get rid of it. I don't want to see it, you know. I don't even want to kill it necessarily. Maybe you're the humane type. You don't want him living in your house, but you want him living somewhere, okay? Well, this is when we start to live in the future, okay? This is an automatic infrared vacuum mousetrap. You can see the mouse and his little gross little tail sticking out there. Once he trips the what's a light switch, it's rigged to turn on the shop back, and it just sucks that guy right up in, and then you end up with a shop back full of mice. You just wheel that guy outside, open it up, tip it over in your neighbor's yard or whatever you want to do, <laughs> right? Now, obviously, we're not talking about this type of pest. Obviously, this is a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what are we talking about when we talk about pests? Because I really do mean that there are pests that we need to fight, okay? Um, and and we call, I, we'll call them pests because they, they mess up, they destroy, they get in where they're not supposed to be, and they cause problems, okay? Yes, mouse, mice can come in and eat your food. Moles come in and they destroy your yard. Small animals come in and they eat, you know, the plants in your garden. Uh, termites literally eat your house while you're living in it, okay? They can be very destructive, but there are also pests for our marriage, pests that attack your marriage. And they're not going to be physical insects or small animals, hopefully, but the problems are the same. If allowed, they slowly eat away at, slowly destroy something that you love. One of my favorite verses about marriage is, come, it comes from the small little book, Song of Solomon, and it's Song of Solomon 2.15, and it's when a fiancé, a, a lovely, soon-to-be-married woman, says to her fiancé, Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. Now, these words are pretty early on in that book, Song of Solomon, which is a book about love. If you don't know what this book is, it is a book all about the beautiful love that God d designed to exist for husbands and wives. Um, it it's, even includes the parts of love that were usually uh, uncomfortable talking about in church, but there's parts of it that are sweet, there's parts of it that are honest and exposing of, of, a hearts, of, of hearts, there's parts of it that are passionate, and yes, there are even parts of it that are erotic, and they use this symbolic language that oftentimes it's hard for us to understand because it's using this language that is so incredibly symbolic in nature. Um, for instance, let me show you a, a better example um, of one that's kind of easier to understand. It's uh, just a couple chapters later. Song of Solomon chapter 4, verse 2. This is the groom telling his, his bride how beautiful she is. And this is one of the things he says. Your teeth are like a flock of shorn ewes that have come up from the washing, all of which bear twins. Not a one among them has lost its young. Woo, ain't that romantic right there. You got sheep teeth, girl. Like, that's like, I don't, and see, you read that, and it's like, I don't quite understand it. Okay, you get a freshly shorn sheep. That means what's showing is white fleece, white, clean fleece. Everyone has a twin, meaning this guy has a matching pair on this side, okay? Every tooth is white, every tooth is there and present, which in the ancient world is saying something, okay? But that's just one of the ways, it's basically saying, I love your smile, 
in just the weirdest way possible, but that's what he's saying here. And so it's hard to, it's easy to miss, excuse me, some of the romantic, beautiful language that exists here because it is so symbolic and again, just so weird to our 21st century ears. But in the early part of this, of this little book, you have two people that are preparing for marriage, and they are overflowing with joy, overflowing with anticipation of a life together and the love that they're going to share. And in the midst of their excitement, the bride makes this little plea to her soon-to-be husband, which is about catching the foxes for us. Now let's break down the symbolic language here, because again, it's not really foxes, okay? That wasn't the trouble for their marriage, wasn't foxes, okay? Vineyards, The vineyard was their love, this romance, this relationship that they've been cultivating and nourishing through their courtship. Whatever their courtship looked like, they've been preparing it and and, and getting ready for this marriage. They've been looking forward to this day, and it's growing, and she says, the vineyards are in blossom. It's It's the time. It's time for us to get married. It's time for us to enjoy the fruit of this love that we've built. And, And then there are... The foxes, something that is a threat that must be dealt with, something that can come in and damage this beautiful thing that we have been building, something that can undermine what we've been building. And so um, the foxes are circumstances, character flaws, sinful habits, a whole host of things that are going to gnaw away at, work against the relationship that is meant to be so beautiful between a husband and a wife. And the foxes, again, must be dealt with. They must be destroyed. It must be taken as seriously as whoever wrote that patent about using a revolver to shoot the mouse out of the hole. Now, I'm pretty confident that you'd get a police officer at your door if you use that anymore. I'm sure people would probably report the gunfire, but, I mean... Needless to say, that's the kind of seriousness with which we need to protect the marriages that we've built and the relationships that we've built. Now, one thing to note here is this verse comes before they're married. This is a calling to say, hey, there's, a, there's stuff that's going to get in the way that's going to hurt this relationship that we're building and we need to be proactive about it. We don't need to wait till the problems surface. We need to start thinking, what's going to get in the way of us loving each other the way that we were called to love each other? And, and that was not something that, that a lot of us are encouraging people to do when, when they get married. I mean, most of us, we, did, I mean, we get little bits of advice from people, but nobody like sits us down and says, hey, your pride is going to be the worst enemy when you get married. You need to get it sorted. That anger problem? Yeah, you might mellow out with age, but you, don't, you can't afford to wait and hope that that happens. You need to deal with this before it causes a problem in your marriage. Very rarely do we sit down to people who are in love and who are young and who are only seeing what could possibly be the greatest adventure of their lives and thinking, oh, I'm so in love and they're so perfect and they'll never make me mad and there could never be any problems because we're so in love. You know how it is. When you, were, you, know, when you met the person that you're married to, you, you thought nobody loved Nobody was ever, had ever been in love like you before. And your parents were just a bunch of old losers. They didn't get it. Your grandparents certainly didn't get it. Your friends, they, 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 they had relationships, but nobody was in love like you. And so we walk blindly into things like this thinking, there's not going to ever be a problem. 
because we're love drunk and we're a little bit stupid on the chemicals that are flooding our brains. But this is saying, no, 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 no. There are issues that you have, that I have, circumstances around us with other people and relationships that could harm this beautiful thing that we want to grow and nurture, and hopefully it'll thrive throughout our lives. And so this is simply this calling to whatever those things are that are going to damage your relationship, don't, let them, don't be okay with them there. Attack them. Take care of them. Because sometimes, unfortunately, being in such close proximity and intimacy with another human being brings out your worst. And nobody warns you of that before you get married. Nobody tells you that you're going to be meaner, crueler, and more selfish to the person you're married to than anybody else. Because there's this little voice inside your head that thinks you can get away with it. Because, eh, we're married. I can get away with acting this way. I can get away with saying these things. They got to put up with me. They got to forgive me. They got to stick around. For the most part, we kind of think we can get away with stuff. And so often, we get mixed up with all this when we get married. Our, our marriages at times lead us to treat one another not in the best ways, but rather in the worst ways. And we start to think the enemy in the, within our marriage is our spouse. And we fight with our spouse. This is why you talk to your friends and you say, I don't know what I'm going to do with him. She can't t- stand him sometimes. This is why at times we give each other the cold shoulder and the silent treatment because they're the enemy and they've hurt me and I've got to come up with some way to retaliate and I can't figure out what it is yet, so I'll just shut them out until I come up with what that is. Sometimes the fighting takes on um, literal fighting for couples, screaming, knockdown, drag out, fights, things getting thrown, tears being shed, comments being said that can never be unsaid. One time, Abby and I got into a fight, and she came crawling to me on her hands and knees. And she said, you get out from under that bed, you coward, and fight like a man. I'll let you decide if that's true or not. But it becomes easy for us to think and start to see that our spouse is the enemy. Like, they're the the bad guy. We're the virtuous one, who, and so the, we're, we're eager to take up a fight in marriage, but it's often with our spouse, and that's kind of how our culture works, too. Our culture just kind of assumes serious relationships mean serious fights, but your marriage wasn't ever supposed to have this me versus you mentality, us, me versus my spouse. The Bible makes it clear that we are to treat our spouses as an extension of ourselves, Genesis says that we become one flesh, one body. Uh, In Ephesians, uh, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says that husbands should love their wives as if they were their own bodies. Fighting with your spouse is nothing more than hurting yourself. It is hurting your marriage, hurting your relationship. Even if you get the last word, even if you're right, even if you, you know, have that, you know, I won the fight, even if they admit it and you just go, say, say that again, I just want to. Hold on, let me get my phone out and get a voice memo of you telling me how right I am. Like, no matter, even if you get that sweet moment, it's not a victory because you're not fighting them, you're fighting yourself. You're hurting your own marriage. And instead of fighting with each other, you were meant to fight the pests, the things that are coming in from the outside and sometimes from deep within yourself. You were meant to fight those foxes. And for you, a fox, it might be pride. 
It might be this natural tendency to think of yourself, your wants, and your well-being above your spouse. You know, a lot of us, and I'm one of them, I didn't realize how prideful I was. I didn't realize I was prideful until I got married. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I need to think about you too? Oh, well, that's weird. I've never had to do that before. I guess, I, okay, I'll do my best. And you don't do your best because you just can't naturally think about yourself. And that's a fox, and, and it's going to get into your marriage at the root, and it's going to kill the root, and it's going to cause problems. A fox might come in the form of other unhealthy relationships. Maybe you have extended family and in-laws that are constantly creating drama and frustration between you and your spouse. I have some dear friends that I've known for, for a lot of years, and at several points in their marriage, um, her parents will kind of try to dictate how they live, how they spend their money, how they raise their kids, where they live, the kind of house they have, how they decorate the house. And it creates a lot of frustration because they're trying to live this life together. And then they've got these parents over here that are trying to be loving and helpful, but it's overbearing and it's too much. And, and, if you've, and it, when it's your parents, sometimes you just feel like, well, they're my parents. i got to listen to my parents. But at some point, it's like this is, it's just chaos and drama. And I'm not saying... That they need to catch these foxes and cut them out of their life. I'm just saying, but boundaries need to be created because, again, this is an outside force that's coming in and it's causing a marriage to be weaker than it should be. Um, I've seen overindulgence into a hobby become a fox before because it takes away time that needs to be spent between a husband and a wife, time when there's maybe just not a lot. Um, I've seen emotionally inappropriate relationships with people at work become foxes because you just went to work and you just had fun with somebody and before you knew it, you cared. I've seen those kinds of things happen before. But we have to keep the perspective alive of, of what are we fighting for, this marriage that God gave us. And, and, and again, the, the idea of having a a vineyard, a crop, something that they've nurtured. If you've ever grown anything, farmers in the room can get along with this very well, but if you've ever grown anything, it starts out very young and very fragile, and you nurture it, and it gets stronger until it starts producing something that is a blessing to people. Like, that's what our marriages are meant to be. They're meant to be this thing that is protected and cared for and nurtured, and the pests come in, and you do what you got to do to get rid of the pests. Whether you're spraying it with something, you hire that cool helicopter to come in and spray it down. By the way, somebody over here was hiring a helicopter crop duster this year and my kids had the best time seeing this helicopter swoop over our house okay whatever you got to do though to get rid of those pests that are coming in and 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 gnawing away at the beautiful fruit that you've been trying to create together as a husband and wife you got to stop it because the the fruit that's created from a healthy marriage it nourishes you it nourishes your kids, your family, your grandkids, it trickles its way down. You become a blessing to the friends and family that you have. You become a blessing at your church. All of this great stuff happens through a beautiful, loving marriage relationship. But too often, we let our disagreements get in the way of things. And, and we need to remind ourselves, maybe if I'm going to, oh, I died, Carrie, you're going to have to help me. And remind ourselves that your spouse is not the enemy. Now, they might have sin that is a, tr is a struggle. They might have character issues that are completely getting in the way. But for the most part, we have, to, we have to kind of understand that in a normal marriage situation that's remotely healthy, your spouse is not the enemy. 
So don't settle into this mindset that you have to fight them to get the life you want. That, that to have the life you, you know you need to have, they're the one you've got to get through to have it. The fight is with the pests that are hurting your relationship. The real issue here is that sin and circumstances that hurt your marriage are the enemy. That sin might exist in the heart of your spouse, but you know what? God wants to help them. Jesus wants to, he died so that, so that they could be free of the hold of sin in their life. He gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can put to bed the sin that makes us not good husbands and not good wives. So it doesn't make any sense to make ourselves, the, to make your spouse the enemy. It's their sin that is the, that is the issue. And, they, and there's hope for them in their sin by God's grace. And that is what you fight. And so most often, catching foxes is going to mean that you get, have to get familiar with the deepest, darkest parts of your soul. It's going to mean becoming self-aware. It's going to mean becoming emotionally intelligent so that you can deal with your pride, your greed, your anger, your selfishness, your inappropriate desires, your workaholism, whatever. Whatever you see inside yourself, it means becoming aware of those things and stating them for what they are so that you can fight them and destroy them and root them out before they root out what is nourishing and making your marriage thrive. And so as this happens, the way this happens is by the grace and mercy of God. That Jesus died on the cross so that we could be free from our sins, those things that hold on to us and make us bad husbands, bad wives, bad people. And that we live and open ourselves up to the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. That by His supernatural strength we might grow and have our hearts reshaped so that we don't want to be selfish anymore. We don't want to give in to anger, but we actually want to be kind and gracious and patient with those we love. So that we can be more healthy and holy as individuals. So don't be fooled. Your spouse is not your enemy. Don't fight with them. Fight for them. Fight together to get rid of these foxes that are going to come in and destroy what you've worked so hard to build. The foxes will undermine the beauty and stability of your relationship. So whatever they are, figure it out and get rid of those pesky foxes. Be a pest-fighting marriage. Have a varmint-hunting marriage, whichever you prefer. Either way, we've got to remember, a lot of the time, our marriage is this beautiful thing to protect from the outside influences that are going to destroy and hurt and undermine what we've built. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for the love you show to us. We're grateful for the hope that we have in Christ, the transformation that we have through the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Father, that you would just transform us, that you would show us your grace and your mercy, that we would be able to forgive one another when there's sin, that we would be able to help one another make progress when there's sin that we would be able to hold each other accountable within a marriage, but never losing sight that the, the person is not the enemy. It's the sin that we've, been, we've, we've bought into, the lie that says, if I enter, in, indulge this sin, my life will get better. I'll have what I want. We've, we've bought into this lie, and that lie is what is destroying us and destroying our relationships and our marriages. It's not the person. Jesus sees deeper past the problem, past the sin. Jesus wants to save and redeem the people. And so I just pray, Father, that you would, you would let us have eyes that see our own sin, that you would let us be aware, that you would let us be mature enough to, to call out our sin, not hide it away in shame, but call it out and attack it so that we can have a better life. I thank you for the beautiful picture of love we find in the book of Song of Solomon. It might be 
so uh, explicit that it makes us uncomfortable at times to read it, but it shows us the fullness of joy that you intended for us to have in a marriage. It shows us a depth of, of, of care and devotion that, that I think a lot of marriages are missing because we've, we've made one another the enemy rather than realizing that there are things and, and th- that have drawn our attention and our focus away from, from investing in our marriage. We've lost sight of the true goal, and I just pray, Father, that we would not give in to those things, but we would each day be able to build stronger marriages so that our marriages can be what they were meant to be, a reflection of, of how you've loved uh, your world, a reflection of how Christ has loved his church, that, that every day our goal is to love our spouse as our, as our own body, as our own an extension of ourselves, to make them better, to bring them more joy and more, um, and, and more peace in this world than, than they had the day before. So help us, Father, to be husbands and wives who are devoted to catching the little foxes. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.